Chapter Thirteen of Labar by Jory Karl Heismans, translated by Keen Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. He began again, as on the other evening, to clean house and establish a methodical disorder. He slipped a cushion under the false disarray of the armchair. Then he made roaring fires to have the rooms good and warm when she came. But he was without impatience that silent promise which he had obtained that madame chanteloube would not leave him panting this night moderated him now that his uncertainty was at an end he no longer vibrated with the almost painful acuity which hitherto her malignant delays had provoked he soothed himself by poking the fire his mind was still full of her but plethoric content when his thoughts stirred at all it was at the very most to revolve the question how shall i go about it when the time comes so as not to be ridiculous this question which had so harassed him the other night left him troubled but inert he did not try to solve it but decided to leave everything to chance since the best planned strategy was almost always abortive then he revolted against himself accused himself of stagnation and walked up and down to shake himself out of a torpor which might have been attributed to the hot fire well well was it because he had had to wait so long that his desires had left him or at least quit bothering him no they had not why he was yearning now for the moment when he might crush that woman he thought he had the explanation of his lack of enthusiasm in the stage fright inseparable from any beginning it will not be really exquisite tonight until after the newness wears off and the grotesque with it after i know her i shall be able to consort with her again without feeling solicitous about her and conscious of myself I wish we were on that happy basis now the cat sitting on the table cocked up its ears gazed at the door with its black eyes and fled the bell rang and durtal went to let her in her costume pleased him he took off her furs her skirt was of a plum colour so dark that it was almost black the material thick and supple outlining her figure squeezing her arms making an hourglass of her waist accentuating the curve of her hips and the bulge of her corset you are charming he said kissing her wrists and he was pleased to find that his lips had accelerated her pulse she did not speak could hardly breathe she was agitated and very pale he sat down facing her she looked at him with her mysterious half sleepy eyes he felt that he was falling in love all over again he forgot his reasonings and his fears and took acute pleasure in penetrating the mystery of these eyes and studying the vague smile of this dolorous mouth he enlaced her fingers in his and for the first time in a low voice he called her hyacinthe she listened her breast heaving her hands in a fever then in a supplicating voice i implore you she said let us have none of that only desire is good oh i am rational i mean what i say i thought it all out on the way here i left him very sad to-night if you knew how i feel I went to church today and was afraid and hid myself when I saw my confessor. These plaints he had heard before, and he said to himself, You may sing whatever tune you want to, but you shall dance tonight. Aloud he answered in monosyllables as he continued to take possession of her. He rose, thinking she would do the same, or that if she remained seated he could better reach her lips by bending over her. Your lips, your lips, the kiss you gave me last night he murmured as his face came close to hers she put up her lips and stood and they embraced but as his hands went seeking she recoiled 
think how ridiculous it all is she said in a low voice to undress put on night-clothes and that silly scene getting into bed he avoided declaring but attempted by an embrace which bent her over backward to make her understand that she could spare herself those embarrassments tacitly in his own turn feeling her body stiffen under his fingers he understood that she absolutely would not give herself in the room here in front of the fire oh well she said disengaging herself if you will have it he made way to allow her to go into the other room and seeing that she desired to be alone he drew the portiere sitting before the fire he reflected perhaps he ought to have pulled down the bed covers and not left her the task but without doubt the action would have been too direct too obvious a hint ah and that water heater he took it and keeping away from the bedroom door went to the bathroom placed the heater on the toilet table and then swiftly he set out the rice powder box the perfumes the combs and returning into his study he listened she was making as little noise as possible walking on tiptoe as if in the presence of the dead she blew out the candles doubtless wishing no more light than the rosy glow of the hearth he felt positively annihilated the irritating impression of the lips and eyes of hyacinthe was far from him now she was nothing but a woman like any other undressing in a man's room memories of similar scenes overwhelmed him he remembered girls who like her had crept about on the carpet so as not to be heard and who had stopped short ashamed for a whole second if they bumped against the water pitcher and then what good was this going to do him now that she was yielding he no longer desired her disillusion had come even before possession not waiting as usual till afterward he was distressed to the point of tears the frightened cat glided under the curtain ran from one room to the other and finally came back to his master and jumped onto his knees caressing him durtal said to himself decidedly she was right when she refused it will be grotesque atrocious i was wrong to insist but no it's her fault too she must have wanted to do this or she wouldn't have come what a fool to think she could aggravate passion by delay she is fearfully clumsy a moment ago when i was embracing her and really was aroused it would perhaps have been delicious but now and what do i look like a young bridegroom waiting or a green country boy oh god how stupid well he said straining his ears and hearing no sound from the other room she's in bed i must go in i suppose it took her all this time to unharness herself from her corset she was a fool to wear one he concluded when drawing the curtain he stepped into the other room madame chantelouve was buried under the thick coverlet her mouth half open and her eyes closed but he saw that she was peering at him through the fringe of her blonde eyelashes he sat down on the edge of the bed she huddled up drawing the cover over her chin cold dear no and she opened wide her eyes which flashed sparks he undressed casting a rapid glance at hyacinthe's face it was hidden in the darkness but was sometimes revealed by a flare of the red-hot fire as a stick half consumed and smouldering would suddenly burst into flame swiftly he slipped between the covers he clasped a corpse a body so cold that it froze him but the woman's lips were burning as she silently gnawed his features he lay stupefied in the grip of this body wound around his own supple as the and hard he could not move he could not speak for the shower of kisses travelling over his face finally he succeeded in disengaging himself and with his free arm he sought her 
then suddenly while she devoured his lips he felt a nervous inhibition and naturally without profit he withdrew i detest you she exclaimed why i detest you he wanted to cry out and i you he was exasperated and would have given all he owned to get her to dress and go home the fire was burning low unflickering appeased now he sat up and looked into the darkness he would have liked to get up and find another nightshirt because the one he had on was tearing and getting in his way but hyacinthe was lying on top of it then he reflected that the bed was deranged and the thought affected him because he liked to be snug in winter and knowing himself incapable of respreading the covers he foresaw a cold night once more he was enlaced the gripe of the woman's on his own was renewed rational this time he attended to her and crushed her with mighty caresses in a changed voice lower more guttural she uttered ignoble things and silly cries which gave him pain my dear oh hun oh i can't stand it aroused nevertheless he took this body which creaked as it writhed and he experienced the extraordinary sensation of a spasmodic burning within a swaddle of ice packs he finally jumped over her out of bed and lighted the candles on the dresser the cat sat motionless considering durtal and madame chanteloup alternately durtal saw an inexpressible mockery in those black eyes and irritated chased the beast away he put some more wood on the fire dressed and started to leave the room hyacinthe called him gently in her usual voice he approached the bed she threw her arms around his neck and hung there kissing him hungrily then sinking back and putting her arms under the cover she said the deed is done now will you love me any better he did not have the heart to answer ah yes his disillusion was complete the satiety following justified his lack of appetite preceding she revolted him horrified him was it possible to have so desired a woman only to come to that he had idealized her in his transports he had dreamed in her eyes he knew not what he had wished to exalt himself with her to rise higher than the delirious ravenings of the senses to soar out of the world into joys supernal and unexplored and his dream had been shattered he remained fettered to earth was there no means of escaping out of oneself out of earthly limitations and attaining an upper ether where the soul ravished would glory in its giddy flight ah the lesson was hard and decisive for having one time hoped so much what regrets what a tumble decidedly reality does not pardon him who despises her she avenges herself by shattering the dream and trampling it and casting the fragments into a cesspool don't be vexed dear because it is taking me so long said madame chanteloup behind the curtain he thought crudely i wish you would get to hell out of here and aloud he asked politely if she had need of his services she was so mysterious so enticing he resumed to himself her eyes remote deep as space and reflecting cemeteries and festivals at the same time and she has shown herself up for all she is within an hour I have seen a new hyacinthe talking like a silly little milliner in heat all the nastiness of women unite in her to exasperate me after a thoughtful silence he concluded i must be young indeed to have lost my head the way i did as if echoing his thought madame chanteloube coming out through the portiere laughed nervously and said a woman of my age doing a mad thing like that she looked at him and though he forced a smile she understood 
you will sleep to-night she said sadly alluding to durtal's former complaints of sleeplessness on her account he begged her to sit down and warm herself but she said she was not cold why in spite of the warmth of the room you were cold as ice oh i am always that way winter and summer my flesh is chilly he thought that in august this frigid body might be agreeable but now he offered her some bonbons which she refused then she said she would take a sip of the alkermes which he poured into a tiny silver goblet she took just a drop and amicably they discussed the taste of this preparation in which she recognized an aroma of clove tempered by flour of cinnamon moistened with distillate of rose-water then he became silent my poor dear she said how i should love him if he were more confiding and not always on his guard he asked her to explain herself why i mean that you can't forget yourself and simply let yourself be loved alas you are reasoning all the time i was not she kissed him tenderly you see i love you anyway and he was surprised to see how sad and moved she looked and he observed a sort of frightened gratitude in her eyes she is easily satisfied he said to himself what are you thinking about you she sighed then what time is it half past ten i must go he is waiting for me no don't say anything she passed her hands over her cheeks he seized her gently by the waist and kissed her holding her thus enlaced until they were at the door you will come again soon won't you yes yes he returned to the fireside Oof, it's done he thought in a whirl of confused emotions his vanity was satisfied his self-esteem was no longer bleeding he had attained his ends and possessed this woman moreover her spell over him had lost its force he was regaining his entire liberty of mind but who could tell what trouble this liaison had yet in store for him then in spite of everything he softened after all what could he reproach her with she loved as well as she could she was indeed ardent and plaintive even this dualism of a mistress who was a low cocotte in bed and a fine lady when dressed or no too intelligent to be called a fine lady was a delectable pimento her carnal appetites were excessive and bizarre what then was the matter with him and at last he quite justly accused himself it was his own fault if everything was spoiled he lacked appetite he was not really tormented except by a cerebral erethism he was used up in body filed away in soul inept at love weary of tendernesses even before he received them and disgusted when he had his heart was dead and could not be revived and his mania for thinking thinking pre-visualizing an incident so vividly that actual enactment was an anticlimax but probably would not be if his mind would leave him alone and not be always jeering at his efforts for a man in his state of spiritual impoverishment all save art was but a recreation more or less boring a diversion more or less vain ah oh, poor woman i am afraid she is going to get pretty sick of me if only she would consent to come no more but no she doesn't deserve to be treated in that fashion and seized by pity he swore to himself that the next time she visited him he would caress her and try to persuade her that the disillusion which he had so ill concealed did not exist he tried to spread up the bed get the tousled blankets together and plump the pillows then he lay down he put out his lamp in the darkness his distress increased with death in his heart he said to himself 
yes i was right in declaring that the only women you can continue to love are those you lose to learn three years later when the woman is inaccessible chaste and married dead perhaps or out of france to learn that she loved you though you had not dared believe it while she was near you ah that's the dream these real and intangible loves these loves made up of melancholy and distant regrets are the only ones that count because there is no flesh in them no earthly leaven to love at a distance and without hope never to possess to dream chastely of pale charms and impossible kisses extinguished on the waxen brow of death ah that is something like it a delicious straying away from the world and never the return as only the unreal is not ignoble and empty existence must be admitted to be abominable yes imagination is the only good thing which heaven vouchsafes to the sceptic and pessimist alarmed by the eternal abjectness of life End of chapter 13